morning, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of the Breakpoint Podcast. We have uh, another guest college coach on here this morning. We've got the assistant men's coach, Trevor, from the University of Michigan joining us. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Elijah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for bringing me on. Yeah, of course. So as you guys know, the point of the podcast, we bring on some coaches, bring on some ex-players, current players. So we brought on another coach, thought that would be valuable for you guys to get a few coaches' perspectives here towards the beginning of our podcast. So I'll let Trevor take it away. He obviously played some junior college tennis and has now gone into the coaching side of things and is doing big things up in Michigan. So Trevor, <laughs> give us a little bit of a background into some junior and college tennis for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, thanks for the honor of being able to, to get on here. I think it's super valuable what you're doing. And yeah, appreciate the opportunity. But uh, a little bit on my, my background and how I got here. You know, I grew up in Florida, uh, whole life, lived in Florida, Orlando area. Um, and really, it started around, I was almost 11, about 10 and a half, 11, where I started to take up tennis, playing basketball and baseball, the American sports. And my, my older brother was taking lessons and, and had a coach that was like, does he play? And my mom was like, no way. We know how expensive all these sports can be. But ended up doing a lesson one time and, yeah, took it up and, and started started heavy. And I loved it, man. I kept the same coach the entire time. She was my coach, all of juniors and, and a couple of people she'd add along the way. But her name was Angie Zaguna. She was fantastic. Her brother, Adrian's Zagoons, played at Arkansas, All-American there. And also had Bo Jones. She played WTA. So it was really them three. And those were my coaches for, I don't know, 10 and a half to, to 18 in college. And I had no idea what ITFs were. They've gotten a lot more popular now, so I'm sure I would if I was playing juniors now, but still, no idea. I didn't yeah. play a future until right before college. Didn't really know what that scene was about. We weren't a tennis family or anything, so I'm, I'm playing these USTAs on the USTA grind that I know a lot of people maybe still are doing, and just did that, man, and focused on those USTA nationals. Stayed in Florida a lot. I was thankful and, and, and blessed to, to be in Florida because I got tournaments every weekend down south or... In Orlando, if I needed. Yeah, that's what I was. Good. That's actually what I was going to point out. Is we've got the three big states. It was the Florida, California, Georgia. Those are yeah. the big ones. You've got obviously Texas, North Carolina, yeah. South Carolina. But obviously, Florida, as you grew up, had its own like ranking. That's right. There was like the Southeast, and then there was Florida, and yeah, those didn't. Back then, they didn't coincide very well together. So, did you do a lot of traveling outside of Florida? Did you mainly stay in Florida? Yeah, good question. I mainly stayed in Florida. I remember going a couple of times. I did like national indoors back to back years. And that was like in Cincinnati and, yeah. and didn't go too hot for a Florida boy and in indoors. So I only did that twice. And <laughs> I remember a summer I did Kalamazoo's. And, but outside of that, like outside of the summer, not really. And then that, that yeah. Thanksgiving national indoors trip. Other than that, a lot in Florida, it's, it's very, it's so expensive. Yeah, I know it's not easy, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one where it's a, it's expensive to do all that stuff. So, but For again, sure. that's why I was I was lucky to be in Florida because I yeah. could I could play these tournaments. And at the end of the day, even now, you don't have to travel around the world and do ITFs. You know who didn't travel around and do all the ITFs? It was unreal. Ben Shelton, right? Yeah. The first time he left the the U.S. was Aussie Open. That's crazy. So, yeah. I don't think there's a have to do it this way. You you could stay in Florida if you needed or wherever you live and mm -hmm. could still be good enough. Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's a good point. That's the I mean that's obviously 
very similar to mine as well, right? Like I grew up, I grew up in Mobile, which is funny. We actually, where I started tennis was at West Florida, Racine yeah. down there. My parents were really close friends with him. And, and we got a little house in Pensacola and we'd go over because Mobile, oh, Alabama cool. had very limited tennis, I would say. So once we got a little yeah. bit better, we actually would go and train in the summers at That's... West Florida with Derek and some of the, his son and, yep. and some of his players. And it was a lot of fun. And I feel like that, I mean, Florida tennis was always known as that's the top down yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like Cali was, yeah, like you said, like that was, yeah. that was the big one. When you do the Zonals tournament, that was always yep. fun. Intersectionals. Man, that's a throwback. <laughs> yeah. Those were fun. Uh, a lot of fun, man. And you'd even have mixed doubles in that. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was good. You know, but yeah. Then coming into Georgia, obviously Georgia had a ton of really good yeah. players. So comparatively to Alabama, Georgia was like leaps and bounds better. It was like, yeah. I was like top three in the state in Alabama. And then I was like top 30 in Georgia. And I felt like yeah. so bad, but it was like, <laughs> kids are good. I don't yeah. really have to travel. It was really great. I was playing a lot of local tournaments and yeah, you, you have a lot of good competition. So that's always good. But um, yeah, now, I mean, obviously good context in the juniors didn't do a lot of traveling, stayed more regionally, more yeah. in Florida, didn't really need to. It's good insight. Kind of take us into high school, kind of college. What was yeah. that journey like going into into college what were your yeah. options when did you start looking what options did you i'm For assuming sure. you probably had a couple of options to pick from but yeah yeah well i think because i wasn't in the tennis family my older brother didn't play college tennis so i, I was i was new and i'm sure a lot of people are going to be in that same boat so i didn't really i didn't know much until that the june 15th date of junior year you start getting letters in the mail and stuff and and because that's how i got some i got a couple then i was like oh like that's that's awesome because i when you're training that young, 12, 13, 14, 15, yeah, I wanted to be pro. That's why I'm, I'm at the courts every day. That's why parents are paying all this money. And that's definitely the goal. And But I definitely saw college tennis as the avenue to do that. 100%. Never thought like I'm skipping college. I don't, I, it never was a thought. I don't, I wasn't, maybe there's some guys that are that good. I was, I was not that good. And, but then that's when I first started to hear about tennis recruiting. I honestly can't remember hearing much about it before then or looking at it, I guess. And so, but then you get to that time and you, you start to look at it a little bit more and thank goodness we didn't have UTR yet. And, and I love UTR. So I'm not saying that against UTR. I'm saying that for the player's perspective on looking at it too much. And so yep. I, I didn't have that temptation. Um, so I think that helped in just trying to focus more on development and again, that's not on UTR's fault at all. It's it's way more just like us as humans. What are we going to do, right? And so I started to look at that a little bit more and, and focus on that because, yeah, how, how are you going to get looked at by blank and blank? Well, getting higher and higher in tennis recruiting. That's one way. Again, I didn't have the ITF system. A lot of coaches look at the UTR system now. All I knew was to think about was what you are on tennis recruiting. And so that started to play a little bit of a role, but What's funny is I stayed regionally in Florida for my whole life playing juniors, but I wanted to get out of Florida for college. And yeah, I don't know exactly why, but yeah, I want to get out. And so I was looking at a lot of schools and honestly, the, the top ones I was looking at came into Memphis, Arkansas, Mississippi State. I took a couple more visits like Notre Dame and Ole Miss, but like those, it came down to those three at the end. And that process, man, I was late. So, right, we're, we're 2023 November right now, and there's been a good amount of commits for 2025 August, right? And I didn't commit, so I went to college 2015 August. I didn't sign, because commit sign I did at the same time, really, because it was so late, till February 
of of 2015. So wow. I think that's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I was I was very late. Everyone has their own process and, and how they want to go about it. But yeah, I was definitely on the later side. Funny story. I was actually at Arkansas taking a visit and, and getting ready to commit the next day. And then I've talked to Mississippi State previously. I ended up going to Mississippi State, but I talked to them previously and they didn't have uh, the funds available that I needed. And then all of a sudden they're losing guys and they do. And so I get a call that night before I was going to commit to Arkansas the next day. And I was like, oh, I just want to get the process over with. But I really liked Mississippi State. I liked the coaches there. And so I was like, all right, I'll take the visit. And then the visit was like next week or something. It wasn't long. And I ended up doing the visit and I commit, I commit there. And it's one of those things where they, they were super honest with me on the visit. They were losing five or six guys leaving. And they're, but they're honest with, hey, we have two, three guys on the team. But <laughs> we're trying to build something special. And again, for me, a lot of it was the connection with the coaches. Definitely, I wanted to play in, I liked the SPC conference. I grew up by Florida. I always liked the University of Florida. But yeah, uh, for some reason, that conference felt like somewhere I wanted to be. And I wanted to get challenged. And I knew going to a school like that, I was like, man, I might not even be playing. But yeah. I, I was okay. I wanted to fight for it. I wanted to push as far as we can go. And I knew doing something like that could do that. And honestly, one of the best decisions I ever made. That was It was amazing. So I loved my experience there. And a lot of details I can go in there, but yeah, ended up going to Mississippi State and, and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, that seems to be a very normal trend that we're hearing both from people who have played currently playing is everyone feels like they either went late or they're super behind. There's You, you see all these top players, right? You're seeing it commit to about to 2025 already. Yeah. Like, yeah. Holy crap, these people are committing and I'm way behind. It's 95% of everyone else is right there with you. And that's that's what we see with a lot of juniors is like a lot of the players, they see the top players that are committing that literally on that 15th date to a yep. school that they've been, that they've, they've known that they've wanted to go to and they've known that they were going to get an offer from for the last six months. And they commit yeah. to it on that day. And you're like, wow, this kid's going his junior and senior year, like already committed. Like I'm way yeah. like, do I even go? Is this really even an option? If I can't go to an Ole Miss, Mississippi state, Georgia tech, yeah. is it worth it? And, yeah. I, and that's where we, obviously argue yes right so this kind of gets into more the post college conversation right of yeah. what you do after tennis there's the two different pathways that a lot of people see and as you can probably allude to it and see like when we were growing up the, there was like with those top top players there was that oh it's either you got to decide college or pro yeah. but it's definitely evolved with the eubankses the sheltons these players that it's like College is like almost a necessity in a sense of you try and go pro at 16, 18, like you're going to get burned out. You're going to go play 15, 20 qualities, lose in every single one, maybe make it to one main draw, make yeah. no money, make no points and become and have six months shot on a schedule. And you're like, yeah. what am I doing here? And whereas you go to college, mature as a person, develop your body, like your game for four years and then go pro. I mean, I don't know why it took so long for tennis yeah. to catch on to that. And now it's it's very much so seen. You don't even have to stay all four years either. Like Eubank stayed three years. Uh, he didn't play his fourth year. And so, so yeah, so that's something that I'm definitely seeing collegiate tennis develop as. And I think that that's going to open the avenue for a lot of very high level players, maybe even internationally to see, oh, dang, yeah. you know, these, this kid, Ben Shelton, you know, came in 19, 20 years old. He's out crushing the ball. And if Shelton had gone at 16, 17, 
who knows yeah. what what he would have done. Right, his game was there, but developmental wise, he came in yeah. freshman year playing like line five down there, in Florida. But I think that was great for him, right? Mm-hmm. I think he knew he had the game. His dad knew he had the game, but there's that developmental cycle that has to happen. You got to oh. become a man almost on the guy side to to make it out there in the tour because it's brutal. Yeah, no, I mean you're spot on. I had a teammate, um, couple of playing pro right now, but Nuno Nuno Borges, he's I don't know maybe seventy three ATP he's right killing now. It. Yeah, he's doing great, but he was all four years of college. We came yep. in together, and he was stayed all four years, like you said. And so I got to see, oh, wow, yeah, this is totally possible. Like, mm-hmm. this is a great route. Um, but also the ITA has done a great job. You know, they have that new program with the Accelerator program, I think is what they call Amazing. it. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, all those wild cards that you can now receive. Like, so, hey, if you, if you think, you know, look, I want to go pro, but okay, so if you think you're that good and you do really well in college, then great. You're going to get all these wild cards, these massive tournaments. And like you said, and, and Nuno would contest to this. I've talked to him about it. Like grinding the futures is tough. Like mm-hmm. grinding the challengers is tough. There's a lot of times you're alone. Like not everyone's yeah. having this whole staff with you. And that's the cool thing about college tennis is you get to travel with the team and you do get a lot of the things taken care of for you, the equipment, all the food and stuff like that. It's, yeah. We're spoiled. I was spoiled. Now I get to be a part of to helping to spoil because it's not about it's not about me. I don't play anymore. But we really had it really good, and, and yeah. that's coming from guys that were 100, 200 ATP. Say that too. That's yeah. not not me. I, I never got that good. I wasn't that good. But yeah. I have tons of friends. We had another guy, Giovanni. He's three ninety right now, right? And and he played top two for us. So he's grinding, right? And, and he's a really good player. Really good player. He's yeah, three ninety. That's not easy. He's, yeah. he's in the battle. So definitely, I think ITA, congrats, props to them because they're making it a way better pathway. And you're, I, I'm hearing it a lot more. The internationals, it's definitely what we used to do in America is like, hey, it's either pro or you're quitting tennis. That's honestly yeah. what the vibe was. And that's what it, honestly, like Europe's still fighting that. You hear that a lot. And, and so now it's starting to shift a little bit, though. They're starting to hear all oh, this program. Yeah, I know about that. Oh, look at all these guys, whatever, 12 in the main draw at Wimbledon. Yeah, it's, it's starting to pop. But it's also yeah. cool, like, recruiting-wise, for the Americans, like you said about, oh, man, I'm late, all these guys recruiting. Man, internationals don't, I mean, very rare are you going to see a 2025 commit right now international guy. Yeah. Very rare. Sure. It's not, you're not late. If you don't do it right now, you're not late. The only reason why is it's becoming the trend. So, yeah, if a guy wants to commit, you're looking for a guy, yeah, okay, we'll commit. But you're still a long way. You don't sign until your senior year, November. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think there's a perfect timeline, deadline for that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's good insight for sure. And I think it segues into the, the other side of it, right? That's the, if you go the pro route or have aspirations to go the pro route, college is definitely, I, I would argue, the avenue to go. Like it's, I, I think, that, and there's even players who maybe didn't even have pro aspirations and they played college tennis and they developed yeah. so well and they're like, dang, I'm playing really good. I thought about it. I had yeah. zero aspirations to play professional tennis. I ended yeah. up getting married and I went a completely different route, but got to my senior year, like played unreal my senior year. And I was like, dang, should I, should I give this a go? And I never yeah. thought of that in 20 years. Yeah. And then it was finally, I, my game developed a little bit, won some good matches. And I was like, this should I, even the thought of it came up and I was like, wow, like yeah. I've come a long way to do that. But the other direction, right, it, which is probably more predominantly the 99.99999% yeah. of people 
is going into more of the business world, whether it be yeah. collegiate coaching, working in a, a tech sales job like myself. That's the reality of the vast majority of people who do go into college athletics is you do have right. that other pathway that's probably more realistic for everybody else. Let's be honest, professional tennis is really hard to make it. Like you got <laughs> 390, he's grinding and it's tough. But so speak a little bit to your thoughts at, to collegiate tennis and kind of the benefits of it. Yeah. I go either quit or I go, go to college or I go pro. It's no, it's you can play college tennis and there is very, very good benefits to playing all four years, even yeah. if you are going into that business world after. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because like you said, this is this is the 99.9%. Like you yeah. said, you can be, and again, they get my teammate who's 390, like I said, unreal player. I think he got the top 15 in college tennis. Like yeah. that, how, that level, man, you're top 500 ATP, you're, you're stuck. Yeah. You know, no doubt. So yeah, I mean, but the, the thing, like if you ask me what I learned most in college, right? And I did kinesiology major, like that's, that's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to stay in sports. So I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but what I learned the most was like time management, uh, discipline. Mm -hmm. Like just organize time or organization with things. Like it was so difficult early on my freshman year with trying to balance the the school with the high level tennis, high level training. It was a it was a shock. The conditioning, like complete shock. And honestly, but that my point is like that was amazing for me because obviously you get better at that. So it wasn't like practice got easier and the academics got easier. It's, no, you start to adapt and you get better at it, right? And so your time management gets a lot better. Your discipline on things and not procrastinating all night gets a lot better because you have to, you know, we, that's what we do. We adapt to things. And so, but those skills are massive. Like if you go ask someone and, and they're hiring new people, yeah, they're going to really find being a student athlete attractive as someone mm -hmm. to hire. Why? Because like they know what you had to do, especially like you said, if you finished all four years doing it. Wow. So man, he played four years of college tennis, maybe D1. That's not easy. But he also maintained whatever really good GPA, three, five and above while doing both of those because it's not easy. My first year, my, I, I promise I remember telling my mom, I was like in my first semester, like, man, student athletes that get above a three or a three, five and they're on a high level team, like kudos to you because that's really yeah. hard. That was my, I was like, man, this is so hard. And I got better at it and finished with a good GPA and all that. But yeah, I, I would see like, like if I was hiring someone that would look good. Oh man, that guy's used to getting up at whatever 6 a.m. because he had workouts. Wow. Okay. And he maintained yeah. a three, five, three, eight, three, nine GPA. Yeah. Okay. Like I just, that would give me confidence. And I felt so ready to do my job at Liberty, which was my first job out of college. Cause I wasn't like, oh, what's work ethic? It was like, no, you have to have work ethic as a student athlete unless you're not going to make it. And so it gave me so much confidence going into into the job. And like, I just, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't recommend. There's way more benefits than not going pro. Like I wanted to go pro. I ended up not being able to. I got such a great opportunity to go to Liberty right after graduating. But I was prepared to do that. So like you said, it goes to your point. Like it's not just tennis you're getting prepared for. Like yeah. there's a lot of life going on and like any of these, any coach will say the same thing. Like, yeah, we coach tennis, um, but there's honestly a lot more than, than just coaching tennis. We do, uh, or, or at least that I'm passionate about doing, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. The coach has such an impact on these guys. Mine yeah. did for me and I'm sure yours did for you too. Uh, I'm in yeah. touch with, I had three different assistant coaches in my time. I'm in touch with all three and mm -hmm. the head coach. So pretty cool, right? How all that works out. Yeah. That's a great point. And obviously going into your decision on going into coaching, yeah, 
What are your kind of strategies as a coach now? Like going from that player, right? Like you went yeah. from, now you're on the coaching side, you understand both. Yeah. What are some things that you're bringing to the table for Michigan and from previously Liberty? Like what yeah. are some strategies that you have as a coach, not just as a coach, but to your point, yeah. as a mentor to these guys that you have underneath you? Lose, lose any ego. There's no point to it. Like I said, I'm not going to play a single point for the University of Michigan tennis team this year. It's not about me at all. And so I yeah. think getting your head around that, like as a player, you still don't want to have an ego, right? You're around the team and stuff for sure. But I think even more so as a coach, just knowing, I forgot who said it. If it was like Vince Lombardi or John Wooden, some really famous, really successful coach was like, you can't be a great coach without great players. And and it's not a fully true statement, because but there is some truth to it. Yeah, you need the players do the work, man. Like, I'm going to sit here and act like I'm doing unbelievable. Like, man, they, they're doing the work, and I hope I can help guide them. But I do think I'm, I'm big on the relationship side. Like, I, I think just trying to foster and create that culture of family that everyone wants to. I don't yeah. think if you have the program, hey, do you guys want to create a family culture? I don't think anyone's going to say no. But how do, you, how do you really maximize that? And so I'm pretty passionate about that and because I really do believe like if we have a group of guys that love to be around each other and, and they respect their coaches and enjoy being around them, I think you're going to be very successful. And, yeah. and, that can, and being successful can look different. I'm not saying you have to win a national title or be top 10 to be successful. You could have finished whatever, I don't know, 20, 30. But with, with what you had and what you guys were doing, you were very successful. You guys gave everything you had. You're At the end of the year, you guys were a close team and you want to be together. You want to train together tomorrow. If you lose your last match, but you're like, man, what I'm going to miss is training tomorrow. Man, I think you were very successful. And I think you're going to put yourselves in a lot of good positions. And so I know that's, again, that's my opinion, my belief. And so because of that, yeah, I want us to be close. I want to know the guys. I want to leave my door open if they want to come and chat. I think those things mm -hmm. go a long way because Tennis is, it's college tennis is four years max. Well, fifth year with the COVID stuff, but now we're, we're in the four years max. And like you said, you could leave early if the pro route was suited you, but there's so much more, man. I also didn't get the, the job at Liberty because of just playing resume. I think that helps and stuff, but I think it goes a lot more. It's like, okay, what was your reputation as a player and as a person? And so now you start digging a little deeper. Oh, why are we talking about a person like we're trying to be a pro tennis player, dude. It goes, I, I think, a lot into it and what at least what I care about. I just hope our guys know that we care about them. And at the end of the day, yes, we want to win. We want to win a national title, but we really care about you as a person. And I hope that goes both ways. It's hopefully not a business transaction going on here because then it's so shallow, you know? Yeah. And that, and that definitely speaks volumes, obviously, to you as a person, right? Because you, I mean, you and I both know the the similarities and kind of the values off the court that you and Deshawn had, and so there, there was yeah. a lot there was a lot of alignment there to caring about people as a person, and that just shows that even coaches looking at assistants, they're not looking fully at who's the best yeah. player that I can get to come in and be my assistant coaches. It's about that family that you talked about, and I know yeah. you, you've got players like yourself wanting to get out of Florida. You've got people flying across the world to come play at these schools, and yeah your point about playing on the pro tours, like it's very lonely. Like if you don't have that environment in college, like you could feel very alone. Right. Mm. And so you don't, if you don't have a coach who's investing in you, assistant coaches who care about you as a person, not, not just a person in their lineup, 
Yeah. That that could be lonely. So to your point, yeah. so that's very good insight into what you're going to be bringing when your coaching journey is like seeing people as yeah. people where they are. And I think that that's very important. And it, it allows players to free them up to play, right? I can, I don't know about you, but going back to me, I was in and out of the lineup for three years and there's just so much yeah. stress that comes with wanting to be in that top six, right? Yeah. And it can be very easy to be seen as like insignificant or yep. you know, inferior if you're not in that top six. And Deshwan, I, I mean, invested in me as a person and like definitely left a big impact for me even if when I wasn't in the lineup and that, and that yeah. means a lot yeah, yeah. there. And that was a big part. I could very easily have been like, ah, I'm going to go to a smaller D1 school and make sure I start. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah. But Dishwant was a big reason of me staying at Georgia tech and not having those thoughts very often of wanting to leave because yeah. I was like, the person cares about me. Yeah. You know? and I was the assistant. Kenny cared obviously as well, but Dishwant yeah. very, he was very prescriptive about, he was very direct about what his values were and what he was wanting to do. Mm. And that was Man, very, you had some great like, coaches there, uh, Elijah. I know, I, think, I had some studs, yeah. <laughs> I think the world of Kenny and, and uh, the world of Derek, I mean, those are, again, there's a, there's some really, really good coaches out there focusing on, on what I'd say is the important stuff as well. But, I mean, you need the, the tennis. Obviously, you come to get improved in tennis. And that's a passion. I just think, I think everything happens for a reason, man. I, I truly believe that. And faith is important to me. And and so all that stuff goes into it. You're right. And going, investing in the person, because that's a big deal of it. Yeah. Humility. If I want our guys to go, hey, we're going to be feisty competitors, but humble. Like, mm -hmm. I think Nadal, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a huge Fed fan. So for me, <laughs> I didn't like Nadal for the longest time, but now I love Nadal. And I, but I think he's the best competitor, but I also think he's a humble guy. So you can do both. And, and I would... Like if I could say, if I can make our guys like anybody, be like, let's just, let's be like Rafa, man. I would teach someone to try to have that mentality. Yeah. It's so attractive. Like you want to cheer for the guy. And he's it's hard get not to. The most, it's so hard not to. Yeah, exactly. So hard not to. Yeah. I'm with you. What I want to go, go into next is obviously speak specifically about Michigan. Obviously you're, you're sure. new in there for a few weeks, but obviously you went there for a reason. What should a player if they are in a position to be getting recruited by Michigan, right? Like they're talking to you. What are things that you're looking for in a player specifically? And then what are things that you feel like stand out from Michigan above the rest? Let's say, yeah. I know I have a ton of friends over in the Ohio State ring. <laughs> so what stands out from Michigan to Ohio State? What yeah. should they do to Ohio State? <laughs> yeah, great, great questions. I think the the first, my, the first answer to your question was, what are we looking for in a guy? And I think that's important. Hopefully people care about that. And I did when I was being recruited because I want to get recruited by them. But being an unreal competitor. Now, I want to dig into that a little bit. Okay, being an unreal competitor. Oh, what does he mean? And so there's a couple of things inside of that. Being an unreal competitor means no matter what the score is, fighting. Yep. So if you're down 6-0, like I wouldn't be able to visibly see that you're giving up. Not that you're tanking and you're just not even trying, but even that little bit. Ah, I just, I don't have a chance at winning this. So always believing that you have a chance. That's being an unreal competitor, not doing the same mistake multiple times. And, and so if I see a guy and, and we just missed the net, like our, our errors, but like out of 30 errors, like 25 are in the net, I would, I'd be a little concerned. I don't know if it's an unreal competitor because problem solving is part of being a good competitor. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? So yep. fighting every point, being a really good problem solver. 
And then I also like the the self-talk, positive energy. I, I think it's, I wouldn't say like we're 16, 17 years old, no one's perfect. And I'm not saying you're never gonna see a bad reaction, but a guy that's able to always bounce back from adversity, that's a huge, huge thing to look out for. Okay, he lost the set 6-1, how did he do the next set? That's that's one like yeah. tangible thing. He just got broke. How does he play the next game? So do yeah. you just lose multiple games in a row? If you do that, I don't think you're an unreal competitor. Um, yeah. And so those are like little things inside that one point. But my second point would be the character of the guy. Um, and I think you can figure that out, yes, by watching him play. Um, I also think you figure that out by talking to him on the phone. I also think you can figure that out by talking to the family. So figuring out the character of the guy, I think that's massive because at the end of the day, everyone's going to go through hard times, whether you're an unreal player or maybe just like you and me, like fighting early on for the lineup. Like it doesn't matter. Like even that unreal guy, Nuno, he's going to face adversity. If he has really good character, I seem to, what I've seen is they'll respond well yep. and they won't get broke by it. It won't break them. They'll respond to it. It might break for a night or a day, but like they'll respond. And so I think character is huge, but honestly, for sure, like level skill, that's definitely something like we look at. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, we're just not the nicest guy in the world. We do. We, for sure. We want the really good guys, but definitely a skill level we look at, but I, for sure, like being the, the unreal competitor, like high level character guy, those things are huge along with the skill. Yeah. And yeah. there are certain boxes that have to be checked, right? You're in the Michigan. Yeah. And this is something why we created prospect right is to give yeah. think that there needs to be a realistic expectation and a very real level set on where players need to be yeah. realistic you're watching all those players commit their junior year that june 15th date right they're committing to the big schools they're the you know top yeah. in the nations and that's where you see that's the only people who are doing that that's not true if you want to play college tennis there is a school for you that's something i, yeah. I like to hone in on that if you want to play, you're that unreal competitor, you're developing game, you're teachable, you're coachable. There is a school that will want a player like that. hundred percent. hundred. And you'll see there's, man, there's a lot of guys, ATP doubles, maybe that play yeah. that, let's just quote lower school, which I don't like to use because there's so many yeah. good schools, but they're doing really well. Like you don't, ha you know, it doesn't have to always be the highest ranked team in the country to do really well. It doesn't have to be, you know, you can easily maybe go to a, a lower rank school at the time and you help build them up too. And then yeah. and what, maybe you're playing higher in the lineup, but guess what? You're going to play unreal matches every week. So yeah, I don't think there's a one way to do it, man. I really don't. Yeah. I do think finding a school where you connect well with the coaches and finding a, a team that you can tell that likes to be together. I think those are massive. I don't, so yeah. I don't care. There could be other, some other schools, but like finding that that's you'll improve a lot. You'll yeah. improve in a good environment. And I think that's something really attractive why I wanted to come to Michigan. I think who you work with and for is important. Like, to me, really important. And Derek Swan at Liberty, unreal. And I didn't know that, honestly, too much going into the time. It was so fresh. But I figured it out real quick. And that's why my experience was amazing. Michigan, why come to Michigan? Well, Sean was a big reason for me with that. He has a great reputation. And again, when things aren't going amazing all the time, I'm going to rely on high character. And so I was super pumped. I was like, man, because I love Liberty. I wasn't like, oh, I got to get out of here. No, I loved it. And I think you can, you should be able to love a lot of spots you're at. But I loved it there. But it came coming here for the reason, the opportunity that's here. I didn't create that. So I'm not boasting about it. But 
the academics that we do have and then the combining with the athletics, obviously, with what we're doing, a lot of sports and, and including tennis last year, last couple of years, top 10. Yeah, what an opportunity to do something amazing and then surround, doing it with people like Coach Sean and, and our other assistant, Coach Max. And we're very lucky. We came in and inherited a great group of guys, man. I think that means a lot on who you have because one, one bad apple, one guy can change the, the whole chemistry of the team. Yeah. One guy can change if we're loving to go into work or not. And that's the reality of what they can do to the culture of the team. And so for us here, like that's huge on what we're trying to build. And so you're coming here, you're going to, you're going to get an, an amazing environment with the opportunity to do something amazing. And I, to me, it's super attractive to do that. Like, yeah. wow. Okay. So yeah, we can be the best, but we can also do it the right way, man. I'm yeah. That sounds great to me. Let's do it. So I'm excited to see, to see what we'll, we'll be able to do and, and, Really excited that Sean's leading us in that in that effort. That's a really good insight, obviously, into some of the the pros on going to a school like Michigan. Obviously, academics and athletics are you know top tier, right? Yeah, that, yeah. You can't, you can't get better than that. That's the, yeah. that's the mixture that you want if you have the option. You obviously just went into it a little bit, but maybe in a more concise manner, like a thirty second elevator pitch of Michigan. What would that be? Yeah, man, this goes into school pride. I think that goes a lot of it because a lot of schools have great facilities, man. Ohio State's got great facilities. They're a great program. <laughs> I would never sit here and say anything else wise. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of other great programs too, man, for sure. But the thing to be able to put on a block M, and I'm, I'm thankful to be able to do it, but to be able to put that on and then put yourself in a position every year where you get to play against the best, represent the best, and also, like you said, have that academic side of having that on your resume, and your degree, oh, graduate from the University of Michigan, that means something. And like they said, the 99% might not be able to go pro, but even the ones that do, that still means something. And so I think if, if you're looking to come win a national title and to do it around really good people, there's no better place, man. You get to wear this. You get to represent. And to me, I don't know. I love the school pride, man. I think there's a lot into that. Like, yeah. what are you playing for? What are you playing for? Well, we're playing for University of Michigan. And to me, that fires me up. So, yeah, that's awesome. And that's good yeah. to have that from from the coaching staff as well, and not just the players, right? And I think that does speak yeah. to your, your pride. Obviously, probably came from a player as well, wearing Mississippi State too. For right? sure. Like pride from there. You guys had a solid team, right? There was yeah. pride there. And there was pride even for us, right, at Tech when we we had that good year. We we broke, I think, top 12, top 10, top That's 12. Unreal. Yeah. Sophomore, junior year. I'm forgetting which one it was. But Eubanks just went crazy, got up to number one, and was doing yeah. amazing. And there was pride. There's pride there yeah. as a team. Like it was, it was contagious, right? There was a sense of when we step on the court as a group of guys, we're going to beat you guys, right? That not yeah. as just individuals, yeah. but as a team. I think that that is very, very important to yeah. have that flow, not just from the players having it. It's easy to do that when it's when it's, things are going yeah. well, but from the That's coach right. down. That's right. That's why I think the staff is huge, and it's not to say I'm the best coach in the country. I'm not saying that at all. Please don't. Miss misread me, but I, I think that's huge because by your story, like I'm getting goosebumps. That's exciting. Stepping on the court and you're like, yeah, this is who we represent. And if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to play the match of your life. And, and oh, let's go. Six points down. Six points. You can beat us in one, maybe two. Yeah. But beating us in four, right? Yeah. And, and we we are in a position where we, we do get to bring us on the best of the best. And we'll yeah. be in positions to, to be able to do that, which is really cool year in and year out. So, yeah, that's awesome Thankful to be here.
Well, yeah. So one more tidbit I will ask is what would be like a word of advice you'd have? Guys or girls, doesn't really matter. What would be advice, like one word of advice you'd have for kids who are wanting to play college tennis, don't really know where to start, don't really know what they're doing. Like we said, we've established a lot of kids maybe feeling like they're coming in late. What would be a word of advice you'd have to kids who are maybe on the fence of playing college tennis, don't really know what they want to do? It's a confusing process. What would be a word of advice you'd have to players that are in that stage? Yeah, I guess the first thing would be just be careful how you word success and make sure the way we define it is not just based on results, because then I think it's a slippery slope and it's also very shallow. So I'd say just be careful. Make sure we're defining success in the right way. And and to me, that would be like, are you given 100 percent? Are you given 100 percent into for us? We're talking about tennis. Are you given 100 percent into practice in your matches? You know, and if you are. Okay, you're on a great track to being successful. And then do you believe in it? Do you believe in yourself to do it? And so those things like, no, don't worry. It's not just, oh, I have to be top 10 tennis recruiting if I'm not. Or I have to be top 50 or 60. Like, you've got to redefine it, redefine it. And the funny thing is once we do that, you focus on the right things, like you're going to put yourself in a really good position to do whatever you want. And so just make sure we're defining success in the right way and not just based on results. Yeah. And the crazy thing about that is that's a controllable. That's something that's entirely in your control. These results, these tournaments, I need to go to this, I need to do that. These are all external things, right? That don't really matter when it comes down to it. Yes, there's a certain ranking you have to be to be recruited by Michigan. Like that that's that's something that is is there, but the effort that things, that success, what does that exactly mean? That hundred percent you talked about. That is that does not mean you got to have to go out and play your best level of tennis every single day in and out. It means something actually could be quite opposite. It's more yeah. when you are playing bad, right? Like for yeah. me, when my forehand's off, when my serve is off, how am I going to fight through that day? Because yeah. it's going to change each day, right? There's days where you're playing amazing, days you're not. How can you keep those controllables in between those days, those highs and lows, to keep that success high, right? Yeah. And that's a control. Uh, absolutely. Man, I could go on. That was a great. <laughs> I love that point. I could go on there. But no, you're, you're spot on, man. And I think even if you want, hey, if your goal was to play for Michigan, and I would still be very cautious, be like, well, I have to be top 30. Do not put that as your main focus or yeah. whatever it is. That would be the worst idea. And it's funny, like you said, putting it on the, the things that you can't control will lead you to the ranking you're desiring. But don't put the ranking you're desiring yeah. as your number one. It's a byproduct. The ranking is a byproduct of the hard work that you put in day in and day out. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Awesome. Trevor, again, thank you so much for coming on. I know we just, we talked a lot longer than we planned to, but we we were having a good conversation. Stop it. it You can't. No, I uh, thank you very much, man. Honored to be on here and really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll be keeping track of Michigan team this year, uh, but we'll get you on later, later in the, in the season, maybe see how things are going. Sounds great, man. Go blue. Awesome. All right. We'll talk later. Appreciate it. Bye.